The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Thanks for joining me on this, the Friday edition of 630 Chad Afternoons. It has been an amazing career, a simply amazing career. Bob Layton has been in the radio biz for more than 50 years now, most of it here in Edmonton. He began his career at CKNL in Fort St. John, B.C. in 1970, moved to 630 Ched the following year. He was named radio news manager in 1994. Along the way, he taught and mentored many young journalists, won dozens of awards, and used his platform to make the capital region a better place. Just look at his work on getting a helicopter for the Edmonton Police Service. Well, after 50 years, Bob is set to retire at the end of this month, and I couldn't let him go without taking some time with him to reflect on this amazing career. Bob, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Well, this is quite a turnaround. Usually in the morning I'm talking about what Jay Lynn did the day before, keeping everybody up to date, and and now I'm on the show. (laughs) Now you're on the show, Bob. Um, You've decided to retire, and I'd ask you why now, but I'm I'm thinking why not now? 50 years. It's been a long time getting up in the middle of the night. What uh, What was the final push to say this is the time? Well, the final push was that I'd been told for years that you'll know when it's time. You'll know when it's time. And I said, well, how will you know? And they said, you'll you'll know when it's time. And then uh, earlier this year, I asked my wife, who has supported me through 50 years of crazy shifts and everything I've been involved in, what she wanted for Christmas. And she said, your retirement would be nice. So... Merry Christmas. Wow. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mark. And and your family, I mean, uh, your, your, uh, your wonderful wife, uh, your kids, all of your grandkids, I, I'm sure you're looking forward to maybe spending some more time not having the broken sleep patterns, not having to have a nap in the middle of the afternoon. They must be really excited as well. Well, indeed, and I wish that we could see them face-to-face, but in today's situation, it's a lot of screen time. And by the way, if I can add one more, uh, the great-grandchildren. Oh, my goodness, the great-grandchildren. How awesome is that, Now I feel old. (laughs) Bob, you started uh, your career, what, 50 years ago, over 50 years ago. Within a year, you you moved from Fort St. John to Edmonton, and I think within Mm -hmm. months, you were on what was uh, the hottest morning show in Western Canada. You were working with Wes Montgomery. You were working yes. with that team. And I mean, you, you look at, you know, those names, the Wes Montgomery's, the the, the Robin Audis, um, you know, even Randy Kilburn started with you way back when too. When you think yes. of those days, the days of top 40, what was that like? What was, what were those memories? What are those memories? Where do they take you to? Well, it was an incredible time. Uh, Radio was so much different then than it is now because basically uh, there weren't any rules. I mean, Jerry (laughs) Forbes was not what you would call a micromanager. He would hire you to do a job, and then it was up to you to find a way to get it done. And if you went maybe a little too far, they'd pull you back. But generally... They would just let you go for it. And everything was so creative, everything that was done. Uh, 
for example, we had a program director who decided in February to go to Hawaii on vacation. And the guys in the room said, well, he can't just leave us here in the cold. You know, he's got to pay for that. And so as they walked up and down the hall after he left saying, what on earth could we do to make him know, ah, <laughs> oh, look at that. There's a piece of his door frame is broken. They ripped it off. And then they said, you know what, let's rip off the whole door frame. They called in a drywaller. They drywalled his door over. They painted the whole wall. So he came oh my back. Goodness. And he walks in, and there's no office. No office. What does he do now? We're waiting to see. He does nothing. He goes home. A little while later, we hear the sound of what sounds like somebody on a motorcycle going down the hall, which wouldn't be uncommon because one of our managers rode his horse through the building just because he could. <laughs> so we go out there to see who's on the motorbike, but it's the program director, and he's got a chainsaw. <laughs> and he just starts cutting a hole in the wall. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much how it was. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Um, you're, you're, you've always been just an incredible storyteller, Bob, and you just proved it with that story. And that is one of the things that I think um, has, has put you in the heart of, of so many of your listeners o- over the years. Did you have an inspiration to, to, to get into this business did someone that you looked at and said, I want to be like that storyteller? Who was it? Well, actually, it's just the opposite of that. Mm. Uh, it's the 1960s. I'm working at the Calgary Post Office. Postal workers went on what was one of the biggest ever wildcat strikes across Canada uh, to get the right for collective bargaining. We just had an association at the time. And I was the secretary to the association in Calgary. So... We're on strike. We're on the street with our pickets along guy to interview us. We explained to him very, very carefully. This is not about getting money. We want the right to collective bargaining. We want some other things. Made sure he understood. Then we turned on the radio. He didn't say what we told him. I was ticked. I wanted, I, I, well, I said, if I could be a radio news guy, I'd tell it like it was. And it was uh, a couple of years after that, while I was still fuming, that I'm driving home and I hear on the radio an ad for the Columbia School of Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. And I took and the course, and there it was. And you went there on to teach at that school. You went on to teach at that school, yes. didn't you? I taught, I taught at that school for a while, and then I suggested to them that we should have a studio. And they said, no, we don't have to have a studio. We're not having a studio. So I quit. And Chad was buying a new studio, so I bought their old studio, and we put it in my basement, and the Bob Layton School of Broadcasting was born. And there it was, and you have uh, gone on to teach and mentor so many young journalists and some, uh, you know, folks who've gone on to do incredibly well. I mean, that has always been important to you, mentoring the next generation, hasn't it? Yes, and what makes me feel the best is seeing young people come in, having the opportunity to teach them and watch them grow and learn and see them rise above and go on to other things. I've always thought that the the mark of a good instructor was the number of students that surpass him. And when I'm teaching, by the way, I don't 
do all the teaching. We have several people in our newsroom who are so good at various different things, and I always start them out by, I will give them the first lesson, and then I'll say, but don't do everything I tell you. <laughs> go now listen to Eileen. Now go listen to Randy and pick out what works for you. I want you to be well-rounded. Bob Layton joining me this afternoon. Bob, uh, a couple of weeks ago, announced his uh, retirement. Uh, last day at 6.30, Ched, will be December 31st. And uh, you're going to have to go back and look at the text line, Bob. There are just so many texts coming in this afternoon wishing you well and people wanting me to ask you about stories that they remember over the years. One thing I do want to ask you about uh, just before we take a break because I've got more questions on the other side. I think you mm -hmm. were the last hire by Jerry Forbes. I think you were the last person that Jerry Forbes That's hired. what Marty tells me, yes. Yes. <laughs> you were you were close with Jerry Forbes, um, and I mean, you know, as you said, Jerry kind of let he he wanted to he wanted performers, he wanted people who could entertain as well. But yes. I mean, when you look at Jerry Forbes' legacy in this community, that must be that must be something special for you as well. I know Six Thirty Chad Santa's Anonymous is is near and dear to your heart. Absolutely, and uh, and and Jerry was the kind of a guy that uh, I mean, I got. I'd only been here a few months, and it's a Saturday afternoon, and my wife says, Jerry Forbes is on the phone for you. Now, my gosh, what could the general manager want with me on a Saturday? <laughs> what have I done? And, and he was just calling to say how much he appreciated what we had all completed that that week, all the things we'd done, all the stories we'd done, all the good response we'd had from the audience, and he, he just wanted to let me know that he appreciated what all of us had done. Bob Layton joining me. Bob, can you hold the line for a little bit? I have so many more questions for you. Bob Layton joining me this afternoon. I wanted to speak with him uh, before he retires at the end of this month. And um, I, go, I get on holidays next week and I'm gone until uh, to the new year. So Bob and I thought today would be a great day to do it. He, he tells me Friday afternoons he doesn't nap. So he was available at three o'clock. Bob Layton joining me this afternoon on the show. I know you're always listening to him in the morning, but he decided or he agreed to join me this afternoon as we chat about his retirement. If you haven't heard, yes, he's retiring at the end of the month. It was his wife's Christmas present. And uh, and, and Bob, after more than 50 years, um, I can tell you you're going to be so very missed. There's so many texts coming in on the text line this afternoon. I have to get to a couple of questions. You know, and, and some of them might seem a little obvious, but I think that it, it tells a lot about a person as well. I, I'm wondering what you're going to miss the most. Oh, what I'm going to miss the most. I think I'm one of the most fortunate people there are, as so many other people in this business, is that the job is so interesting. I meet people who say, oh, I can't wait to retire. My job is so boring. Well, as you know, Jalen, in this business, you don't know what you're going to be doing from one hour to the next. You get a newscast already. It's two minutes to the hour. A major story breaks, and the blood is just pumping. The adrenaline is flowing. I love it. What was the biggest story? And again, maybe not the biggest news event, but the biggest story that that you've covered the, maybe one that's had the biggest impact on you well it's the pandemic 
And and uh, it started out with, when I was asked that question years ago, it would be 9-11, yeah. uh, because there were a lot of side stories that people don't know that happened here with 9-11. And then it became Black Friday in 1987 when the tornado hit, and uh, I was sent out to the Evergreen Mobile Home Park, and I saw body bags for the first time. And then it was 2000 when we did the helicopter project. I thought yes. nothing could beat that with the number of people who stood up and showed support for police and raised the money for that helicopter. And then along comes the pandemic. Mm. So, the, yeah, it just never, it never seems to end. And I think yeah. the reason is that while all of those other stories affect a lot of people, the pandemic affects everyone. Everybody's got a story. Do you, um, you know, so that's the biggest one. Is, and, and, and maybe I blurred the question a little bit there. When it, is there someone or, you know, something that, that touched you along the way, someone who you will never forget their story um, that just always plays in the back of your mind when, when, you, when yes. you think about your career? Yes, it uh, it was the little boy, uh, Jose Okomera, who, uh, I just blew his name, Jose Okomia. Remember that he was in Mill Creek Ravine on the ice? Yeah. And he fell through the ice and disappeared into the ice. And uh, the city workers came, the rescue crews came, and they were going to try and get through the ice and save this boy. His little, his father, David, was on top of the ice with a pick trying to get through. The ice was five feet thick. And uh, uh, the city workers came, the supervisor came and said, everybody get off the ice. It's too dangerous. Somebody's going to get killed, get off the ice. So they all left. Dave Okumia refused to get off the ice. He was going to save his son, and uh, he stayed on that ice with a pick, demanding that he was going to, to do it, and the police were telling him to get off the ice. Now, when I wrote his story for my book, I went to see Dave Okomia, and I asked him if there was anything there that the media didn't know, and he said yes. He said, that police officer who told me to get off the ice, and I refused and he came very, very carefully, walking so carefully out under that ice, and he put his face right in mine, and he said, Sir, you've got to get off the ice. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him in the face, and I said, I'm not leaving my son. <laughs> he said, and then I wondered, is he going to hit me? Is he going to, you know, drag me? What's he going to do to me? And while he's telling me this story, we're in his, his restaurant, and, and uh, he's taking a long sip of tea, and I Dave, what did he do? <laughs> he said, this police officer gave me a hug. Oh, wow. And it was, it was a week later when they finally found the body. I was so impressed that I wrote an editorial in rhyme, and we put music to it, and we were lucky enough to win an award for that editorial. Wow. Your editorials, Bob, I think you once told me that you usually start with the last line and work backwards. Is that how you've, you've done it for, for so many years? Pretty much. Somebody will say something to me, and uh, I'll say, well, there has to be a way of getting that story out. Uh, I, I, it's in my mind so much that after all these years, something will happen, and my wife, Marg, will look at me and she'll say, uh-oh, editorial, right? <laughs> and she'll be right. Do you have any regrets? Uh, 
I have I have some regrets that um, other journalists tell me I'm wrong to have, uh, but it still it still plays on my mind. Uh, there have been three stories that we did that were legitimate stories about uh, people accused of sexual assaults. One was a doctor, one was a dentist, and one was a man who ran a corner store. And they were all accused of uh, assaulting, in one case, children. And we ran that story, and uh, the police wanted us to run the story. They were looking to see if there were any more victims. And then each one of these, these were over the years, got to court. And in every case, the person was found not guilty and we heard the truth about what really happened. And in some cases, it was an outright lie just to get back at somebody. But in the meantime, their businesses were destroyed. The doctor left Edmonton. Uh, the fellow who ran the corner store, just he disappeared. The dentist, I don't know where he went. But I still feel bad that we carried those stories and destroyed those careers, and none of them were true. And Bob, I realize that we just did our job, but it still is in the back of my mind. And I wonder sometimes if maybe there are some charges that shouldn't, or until there's a conviction, maybe there are some things that we shouldn't say. I don't know. I know there's arguments on both sides of this, but you asked me, and I'm just being yeah. honest. No, I appreciate I have always appreciated your honesty. Uh, before I let you go, um, what, do you, what do you hope that you're remembered for when people talk about Bob Layton. I mean, I can do, I can talk about the fact that, and I've learned so much about you, about, you know, the time that you spent in the military, that you know how to play the bagpipes, <laughs> that you're a ventriloquist. I mean, there are so many things that you're a book author, that you're a DJ, you've been in the band, you name it. What do you hope that you'll be remembered for and in your career? Well, I hope it's that I told it like it was, that everything that, that, uh, that I put forth was correct, was honest, and that it was fair. Bob Layton, I wish you all the best in your retirement. We are so going to miss you in the newsroom, and I know that uh, legions of our listeners are going to miss you every morning. Thank you for for uh, guiding the newsroom over so many years. Thank you for your friendship, and thank you for our fun conversations that we we, we got to have in the newsroom well, when we were you, able to be know, in the I, newsroom I, together. I, I can't. I can't be quiet, so I am available. To, I mean, I had a whole bunch of speaking <laughs> events at conventions that got cancelled by the pandemic, so I'm still available to come out and talk. All right, we can find you on Twitter. Where's the best place that people can find you if they wanna if they wanna talk to you? Uh, probably just on my be uh, my home email now. Be late in the <laughs> I can't believe you just That's gave it. that out, but that doesn't surprise me, my friend. Bob, uh, I, I, hope, I, <laughs> I hope we get to see each other soon. Thank you so much, and enjoy okay. your retirement. Take care. Thank you. Okay, Bob bye. Layton joining me this afternoon. Bob retiring last day at 6.30 Ched on December 31st.